This is Church Alive's Teaching of the Week. For additional teachings or information about the church, visit us online at churchalive.net. Well, if you've been listening, we have a series called Planted. Are you planted? Turn to somebody and say, are you planted? <laughs> that means you're growing. That means your roots are down deep. I want to talk to you a little bit about belief. What do you believe? You know, there's a lot of beliefs out there. Don't shout me down now. Uh, let, me, let me talk to you about one of the largest, biggest religious groups there are. We call them Christians. There's 2.3 billion. That's 31.2% of the total world population call themselves Christians. The population of 7.3 billion people. 31% say they're Christians. Next comes the Muslims. There's 1.8 billion or 24% see themselves as Muslims. Then there's Hindus. There's 1.1 billion or 15%. And then there's Buddhists that are 500 million. You're saying, Pastor, why are you bringing this up? Because I want you to get across to you that there's many people out there that believe certain things. Okay? Then there's the next category, which is actually the second highest. 1.2 billion people in the world. 16% of those in the world have no religious affiliation at all. Did you hear me? There's 16% out there that don't have any, any religious affiliation. I mean, they're, they're not Christians. They're not Buddhists. They're not Muslims. They're not Hindus. They're, they're not any of the traditional religions. You know, those small ones that you don't even know what in the world they believe. And they're not the ones that they're not the ones that just call themselves atheists. What they're saying is they have a strong sense of spirituality or belief in God or gods or a guiding force. But they don't identify with the practice of an organized religion is what I'm saying. Amen. In other words, they don't know what they believe. They believe that they don't believe. Paul said. Hold fast to what I preached unless you believed in vain. What it means to have believed in vain, there's an example of results of believing in vain. So what does it mean to believe in vain? In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 and 2, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast, say hold fast, hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Hold fast to that word that I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. Now, if you study the original Greek for believe in vain or vain, it's a word called ike, E-I-K-E, E-I-K-E. And it's actually pronounced I-K. What does it mean? It means idly. 
It means without reason. It means without a cause. You mean there's people that believe without reason? Is there people that believe idly? See, the root word is Iko, E-I-K-O, pronounced Iko. It means to be weak, to yield, to yield idea of faintness as a copy, to resemble, have resemblance. And there's two senses of this word vain in the context of believed in vain. Believe without reason and without cause. They believe without reason and without cause, or they believe in such a way that it's a faint copy or mere resemblance. Vain belief is coming to the belief without reason and without real cause. Okay? Just the thing to do. We don't know people like that. It's just the thing to do, do we? <laughs> My friends are doing it. I might as well too. Have you ever followed? Coming to the belief to simply fit in. You may not truly believe, but you want to fit in. Might as well fit in easier to go to the altar than to sit here. My friends are doing it. I might as well too. It's cool to be a Christian. This is what someone else wants for me. My mom and dad, my grandparents want this for me. So I'm going to believe in vain. I'm just going to fit in. It's the political correct or socially correct thing to do. I have a platform. Come on now. See, there was a, a guy in the Bible in Acts chapter 8. Simon was his name. Simon the sorcerer. You remember this story? And it's a good example of him who believed in vain. Then Simon, in, in 8 uh, verse 13, says, Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. He was amazed. But an interesting piece of it here, it says that then Simon himself also believed. Right, Elder? And when he was baptized, he even went to the point of being baptized. Okay? He continued with Philip, the man of God, and he was amazed. See, Simon was used to astonishing people, and so he believed. He was used to showing and make people think of all this. Look at this. Wow. He was a sorcerer. He wanted to, to, to wow you. You know, there's people that want to be wowed today. Come on now. They want to see the. They want to see the circumstance. They want to hear the music. They want to see. They want to be wowed. Well, this is Simon. He wanted to be wowed. He wanted to make other people be astonished and all based off what he saw and what he experienced. So Simon felt, he felt upstaged by Philip. He saw the gospel power was his ticket to something. He wanted that power. Simon believed. 
His eyes not on power of Christ to transform him. His eyes were on the power of Christ to astonish other people. It wasn't for him. It was what I can get to astonish other people. What I can do to show. To put on a show. Simon offers to purchase the power in the story, does he not? So Simon's vain faith is to be like the disciples so I can once again astonish the people. He wasn't able in the area to astonish them to do what he was wanting to do and say, oh, look at me. I'm great and wonderful. He saw what Philip was doing. He saw what the disciples were doing and he wanted that power. But he didn't want it for good. He didn't want it to, to, to serve the people. He wanted to, to make himself look good so they can look at him and say, look what I have done. So hard to get the old self out of under control, is it? You know, we were supposed to die for that, right? What's in the past is in the past. We die. We let go. We, we put it under Jesus' feet. We put it under the blood. Why is it sometimes that we, we have a hard time with the old self trying to creep back in? Some of the old habits. Some of the old habits you had. All of a sudden you get around a person, they start talking. Don't shut me down. They start talking, they start doing certain things with those habits, and guess what? You have a desire to do that. Before you know it, if you're not careful, you step right on into that. And before you know it, you're dealing with it again. It's human nature. The enemy, he's sneaky. He tries to set those traps for you just to step right on in it. Does he not? He wants, he wants to pull you down. He wants to ensnare you back into where you were. He wants to bring you back to where you were because he knew where you were is where he had you. But because of the blood of Jesus that paid the price for you, and now that you're a new man, he's still trying to bring back into the old man. See, it takes a lifetime of transformation. See that Romans chapter 12. You're constantly working on yourself. Amen. Amen. What happens when we miss it? What happens when we stumble? Do we stay down? Do we go back to where we were? We get back up and we start taking new steps in him. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we get so far down, it takes him pulling us right back up. That's why it's so important to be planted. You need to be planted in a place that when you fall, you have someone there who can help you back up. Who can be there to encourage you. Who can be there to help you. Who can be there to pray for you. Amen. Who can be there to help you. Who can be there to stand with you. Who can be there to support you. Hallelujah. Jesus said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm here to tell you, you need people around you that believe the same that can help you. Amen. Hallelujah. So vanity of coming to the faith is to be like someone else. To get what someone else has. There's times we see something and it looks good. It's appealing. He said, ooh, I want that too. Right? Human nature. I want that. It's okay to look at something and say, that's nice. 
But it's another thing to want that person's. Come on now. Vanity. To get what someone else has without true cause or conviction. There's so many times, there's so many people, and you're going to hear Pastor Gerald's going to be speaking about the gifts, giftings next, next week. But there's so many times that people have certain giftings, and we say, oh, I like that, I want that. But they don't want to pay the price to get that. Could they have it? Absolutely. Let's just talk about prophecy. It says we all can prophesy. And there's some that consider themselves prophets. It's a little different. You'll get into more of that later. But I'm here to tell you, some people see something, they say, I want that, but they don't want to pay the price to get that. They don't want to be in the Word. They're not praying. They're not fasting. Oh, come on now. You mean we got to do all that? I'm talking about paying the price to receive what the Lord has for you. Amen. Some people see certain people do certain things. They say, oh, I can do that. But they didn't pay the price for it. That's what I'm talking about without cause or without conviction. See, it's vain. It's empty. It's reflecting a heart that's not right. Okay. So there's some results of believing in vain. Turn to somebody and say, don't be in vain. See, faith will only be a mere shadow, faint copy or resemblance of the real thing if you're in vain. Again, the Greek word vain is a faint copy, a mere resemblance. Let me give you an example. How many of you ever copied something with the Xerox? You know, we used to call them Xerox and have the copy machines. And people still call them Xeroxes. You know, that's just a name. <laughs> but ever, ever had to copy something and when you got it, it wasn't quite as bright as the original. What happens when you got not enough toner in it? You ever went to copy something or you had to print something off and the toner was low? And you had to take that and you know you had to do something with that. So you either had to break down and go get some more toner or an ink cartridge, right? Or you had to go with the skip lines in there. But if you're turning something in, I mean, it's not, I mean, that's not excellent when you turn something to somebody. How many of you are printing off your own resume and you're going to print on that had skip lines and all that in there? You go to turn it in to whoever's interviewing. Oh, would you receive that, elder? You're going to look at them and say, what's this? <laughs> but it resembles the real thing, but not as bold or clear as the real thing. It's a copy. And it gets worse, a copy of a copy, of a copy, of a copy, it gets worse and worse and worse. You get farther away from the original, right? So in James chapter 1, verses 23 through 25 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he... He, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. How many of you want to be blessed in what you do? I said, how many of you want to be blessed in what you do? Amen. So liberty, what does it mean? It means freedom, right? 
Not only external freedom, but in a deliverance from the darkening mind or the sinful lust. I want you to understand that. It's not just freedom on the outside. We're talking about deliverance from your darkening mind and sinful lust. Pastor, I don't have that. Oh. Have you ever had a thought come across your mind? Come on now. What did you do with that thought? Did you cast it down? Did you bring it down? You said, that's not my thought. I was praying and I was seeking the Lord and getting ready for the service this week. And out of the blue, this thought came right in my mind. I said, where did that come? That's not my thought. The enemy trying to stop me for what I was meditating on. Okay. You know, we're supposed to renew our minds, right? How do we do that? We're studying the Word. We renew our minds by what? Reading. By getting in the Word of God, letting it wash. Amen? That's how you renew your mind. So it consists of the possession of holiness, liberty does, with the will and the ability to do what is right and good. So the, the instrument in which this liberty is imparted is the truth. Everybody say the truth. See, we know the Word in John eight thirty two. And they, you will know the truth and the what? The truth will set you free. Right? What's going to set you free? That's what liberty is. Setting you free by what? The truth. So how many people believe in vain? Look in the spiritual mirror. Only faint resemblance of the real thing. Walks away forgetting what could have been. See, you will not hold fast to the word of God, which is in steadfastness. According to Psalms 106 says this, 106, 12 12 and 13 says, Then they believed his words. Say believed. They believed his words. They sang his praise. They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. What shocks me is, is they believed his words. They believed his words. They sang his praise. Praise you, Jesus. They were singing and worshiping and praising. They sang his praise. But what's interesting, what comes right after that, it says they soon forgot his works. They forgot what the Lord did for them. (laughs) Do we know anybody like that today? They forgot what God did for him. They forgot for what the Lord did for them. I'm telling you, you're seeing right time and time again, you're seeing certain people walk away from their faith. Yes. I'm talking those who led ministries and music and they lost their belief. They were believing at the time in vain. Okay? And they walked away. They're denouncing it now. They did not wait for his counsel. The word says and Luke chapter eight, verse 13 says, but the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Could they be if they're not in the word that they can be deceived? Certain things can be told and they can believe just because someone says something doesn't mean that's true. You better be checking up and be looking in the word. Does it match up with the Word of God? 
So you will not be able to stand. You will cave and collapse when you're in vain. You will ultimately be lost. You might be saying, are you judging me? I'm not judging you. (laughs) God is our judge. Amen. Notice it says, by which you are saved if you hold fast to that which I preach, unless you believed in vain. See, the arguments of eternal security, once saved, always saved. Hold up, pastor. Some say that once you are saved, you're internally saved. Didn't I just say some people can walk away from their faith? Didn't I say they walked away from their faith? You have to make the decision, follow Christ. Right? Not your parents. Not because they've been in ministry for 40-something years. You got to speak it with your mouth. Believe it in your heart. So we need to believe without believing in vain. Amen. Why am I talking about this? Because we're going to get into some things in just a few minutes where what the church believes. Our church. Turn somebody and say, our church. Our church. What we believe, what we stand on. But I want you to understand there's many beliefs out there. Okay? And you need to know what we believe, what we stand on. I'm telling you what we stand on. Amen? We didn't find something under a rock and decide we're going to believe that. So we need to hold fast to what God has done in, in our life. Amen? In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, it says, We then, as workers together with Him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Say in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So what does the church believe? Number one, we believe in one God revealed to us as Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity. Three in what? One. And scripture says in 1 Corinthians 8, 4, it says, Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. Amen. Amen. Matthew 28, 19, Scripture says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And what does it say to do? Baptizing them in the name of the what? Father, in the name of the Son, In the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we believe in God. Revealed to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. Amen. His sinless life. His powerful miracles. The sacrifice of of His vicarious and atoning death. His bodily resurrection. Ascension. And future return to earth as both Lord and King. That's what we believe. We believe in his virgin birth. And there's scripture for that. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. We're getting ready to come into fall season, coming into the Christmas season, and we're going to get ready to hear all this about Jesus' birth. Amen. 
I'm just glad my wife hadn't started listening to Christmas music as of yet. Well, last time it was July, 1st of July, we were out on the beach, and all of a sudden there came Christmas music. What? We're in our bathing suits and we're hearing this Christmas music. She loves Christmas music so much, she just loves the time of year. Well, it didn't start that, so thank goodness. This year, we're in August, we're in September today, September 1st, right? And I just saw this week a piece of information regarding what's coming up for Christmas. I mean, she brought something, bought something from the store and brought it in the house for Christmas. But we haven't even gone to the fall stuff and Thanksgiving yet, right? Hallelujah. Y'all pray for me. <laughs> Another scripture says in Mark chapter 16. Verse 6, it says, But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is what? He's risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Another scripture in 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says, Then we who are alive remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Amen. Amen. This is what we believe. Amen. How about this one? We believe in the absolute inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The absolute inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It says in 2 Timothy 3.16, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. And what? And for righteousness. Victorious and overcoming. Amen. See, we believe in faith and obedience to God's Word. Do you believe in the Word of God? All the Word? All the Word? Which by the power of the Holy Spirit develops a victorious and overcoming life. It says in James 1.22, it says, But be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So are we supposed to be doers of the Word? Are we supposed to be doing the Word? Amen? How many of you know some people do some hearing? They hear the Word. Oh, they're doing the Word. Do you do the Word only on Sunday? Do you do the Word on Monday? Tuesday? Do you do the Word at work? Come on. Do we do the, the Word at, in the marketplace? Hallelujah. We're supposed to be obedient to God's Word and be doers of it. We also believe, say we believe, that justification and sanctification is by grace through faith in our Lord's sacrificial death on the cross. Amen. It's through the Lord's sacrificial death on the cross. Amen. That's what we believe. It says in Ephesians 2, 8, for the by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God. So that means no matter how good you are, how moral you think you are, right? If you don't receive Christ, guess what? <laughs> Hallelujah. 
See, it's through His grace that you've been saved through faith of believing what He did for you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And 1 Corinthians 6, 11 says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Thank goodness you were washed and you were justified by the blood of Jesus. Thank goodness. Because when the Lord looks at you, He no longer sees your sin. He sees His Son's blood that was shed for you. See, we believe that every convert is to be water baptized by immersion. What does immersion mean? Does it mean a little shower? A little sprinkle? What does it mean? Immersed means to be put under the water. Amen? <laughs> it says in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. What does it say, all? All things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Mark 1, verse 9, 10 says, It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Right? And it says, and immediately, it says, coming up from the water. Now, I don't know about you, but if he's coming up from the water, that means he was immersed in the water. Right? He wasn't just water thrown on his face. He was immersed. He came up from the water. Amen? He saw the heavens parting and the spirit descended upon him like a dove. So it's important. It's important that we get water baptized. Why? It's because it's a show word outwardly of what you're doing. You're dying to yourself and raising up new in Christ. If Jesus did it, don't you think we ought to? Huh? In fact, John tried to get all the way around out of order there. John said, I'll need to be baptized by you. He says, no. Do what's first. You baptize me. Amen. And then. There's an order in some things. We also believe in partaking of the body and the blood of Jesus through Holy Communion. The Lord's Supper. Communion represents the broken body of Christ for our healing and the giving of his blood for the salvation of mankind. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 26 says, For I received from the Lord that which I have delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said... Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. How many of you know he's coming? Amen. Amen. As often as you eat this bread, and drink this cup. Do it. Proclaim it. 
You're proclaiming the Lord's death until He comes. See, we believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues is available to every Christian subsequent to conversion. Okay? You have to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. However, Scripture does not dictate that it is a requirement for salvation. Did you hear me? It's not a requirement that you're filled baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you can see that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What does it say you shall receive? Power. What did Simon want? He wanted the power. But he wanted to pay for it. He could have got it freely. But his heart said, I'm going to pay for that. I'm going to get that. I'm going to have that. All for the wrong motive. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, say suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled, say all, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Well, let me say this. There's, there's a lot of talk regarding tongues. And there's a lot of different beliefs. And some believe that that was only for the disciples' days. Let me ask you a question. Are you a disciple? Okay? It wasn't just for the disciples of the twelve. They said, no, no more. That won't happen no more. That's not the case here. Okay, even in fact, Paul talked a little bit about tongues. Now, there's there's a tongues of a, a prayer language. Okay, and then there's a, a gift of tongue where you're given a tongue that someone has to interpret. And if you read in the scripture, you'll 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 see that there's times when when they gave out a tongue because they didn't have the words to say. They didn't know. They know they needed to enunciate something that had to have someone to interpret it so people can understand it. Okay? But there's a tongue of prayer where you have a prayer language, and I want to talk to you a little bit, a little bit about that, because in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 14 through 19, Paul says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you. He wasn't speaking a tongue and prayer around them all the time, but he says... I thank God that I speak in tongues. Say tongues. He speaks in the prayer language more than they were. And he had to bring that to their attention because they were all wondering about the tongue. They were saying you had to be quiet unless there was an interpreter. That it wasn't even good to do that. They wish you that you prophesy. Just go ahead and speak out the words that they can hear and understand rather than giving a tongue and not having an interpreter. And Paul addresses that if you're going to give a tongue in the main assembly that you best have someone interpret it so they can bring understanding, so there's no confusion. Who's the author of confusion? And he tries to confuse you in all kinds of areas, and he's tried to confuse the church regarding being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues for many, many, many times. Let me give you an example. There was a time when I was ministering and uh, it was a conference. 
I still remember it today. And I was speaking. And at the end of the, the service, we had ministry time. And I said, is there someone here that needs prayer? They need a miracle. I said, I feel there's someone here that needs a miracle from God. I didn't know at this time there was a Hispanic family sitting back there. They couldn't speak a lick of English. And they come walking down, a lady and her little daughter, beautiful little girl, brown hair, just curls, pretty, her eyes just coming down. And to look at her, you wouldn't think anything was wrong. I didn't know what was wrong with them. They couldn't communicate to me what they needed prayer for. How many of you know you got to be able to connect to be able to minister to? They just had a drawing to come down. And they came down, they stood there, and I said, Lord, I'm praying under my breath in the Spirit, praying in tongues. And I got a little louder before I know it. Apparently, what I was praying in the Spirit, she was able to translate it in Spanish. And she had understanding of what was I was saying. And she pointed to, taught me, pointed to the daughter. And I said, so it's your daughter needs prayer. She said, that's all she did. And I said, well, I still don't know what I need to pray for this child. How many of you have ever been in a situation that you need to pray, but you don't know what to pray? You better be hearing from God. Amen. So I go on and I decided, I said, well, I start praying in the spirit again. And I, I, and I came up there and I said, Lord. I pray that she hears clearly from you. And all of a sudden, something happened to her. Her ears popped. She was deaf from birth. I did not know this. Deaf from birth. And she's doing this, and she was hearing the music. She was hearing my wife play the keyboard. She was hearing going on. She started tagging on this, and she said something. I don't know what. I don't even know how they were even communicating. She was doing sign to a mom or whatever. I didn't know any of that. Death from birth. The Lord opened her ears clearly. And she was here. All because you have to connect and be able to pray what needs to be prayed over. I had no idea what to pray over that child. So the mother was overwhelmed. What do you think it did to their whole family? They started believing that God is real. Amen. Not about just a story they read. They were able to say and anchor it in. I believe because of the, what the Lord has done right here. There was two other ministers in that meeting. I was saying, does anybody else need prayer? People were coming up. These two guys were standing back. They were pastors. 35 years pastoring in one church. Another one was 20-something years pastoring in another church. They just happened to come in to that conference, that meeting. Two, two denominational churches. They didn't believe in the move of the Spirit. They didn't believe in the giftings that you're going to hear next week. One of them came down reluctantly. I said, well, come on. And he came down. He said, I don't want to be pushed down. I said, I'm not going to touch you. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. He stepped down in the aisle and started coming down. Started coming down. The Lord hit him. He rolled up under the pew right there. Now that's God. That's not man. That's God. 
And you're saying, Pastor, this really, yes, it really happened. What did it do to my faith? Woo. Boy, I thought I could just fly in the room. I was so, God was moving and it wasn't because of anything I did. It's because his love for the people. What did it do? It just sparked a, a, everybody in the sanctuary at that time just got wowed by God. So the other pastor, he decided he was going to come down. He said, I don't need prayer, but my wife does. I said, okay. He said, well, I do. I do. He said, my back's hurting really bad right here. I was out in the yard, and he, I don't know what he said. I said, okay, well, we can pray for that. But he said, I'm really coming to stand in for my wife. And here's a minister preaching the gospel. And his wife is on her sickbed. My heart went out to him. He came on down, I started to pray. I said, let me have your hands. And I held his hands. He said, whew, they're hot. And I said, Jesus. He went down. He stayed down the rest of the time. Why am I sharing this? Because God is real. His word is real. And it's important to understand why we believe the word of God. The word says that by, by his stripes they were healed. We were quoting scripture. He went down. Tears coming down his eyes. I remember seeing him. He's never been to a service like that. He gets up. His back is not hurting no more. Now, what did it do to his faith? Amen. Okay, I wasn't being like Simon and trying to do all this fakeness. I was loving on the people and just be obedient and praying for them. And now some of them I wasn't even touching. Why did I say that? So I can spark you, fire you up, turn to somebody and say, you can do the works. And greater works. Why? Why? Because Jesus went to the Father. You have the authority. Amen? See, we believe that the church is God's highest institution on the earth. The message and mission of the church is the gospel of the kingdom. Matthew 16, 18 says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let me ask a question. Do you have the keys today? Can you bind and loose? He gave you authority. And we believe in the literal second coming of our Lord, the resurrection of the saved unto eternal life and the unsaved to eternal damnation and the ultimate victory of the eternal kingdom of God. What we're talking about is all in the scripture. Amen. First Thessalonians for the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and then with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ. What will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Amen. Is that in the word? Amen. Revelations 21 says, but the cowardly, unbelieving, say unbelieving, unbelieving. abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, 
sorcerers, those who are doing witchcraft, idolaters, and all liars, say liars, liars, shall have their part in the lake which burns with the fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Did you hear me? Amen. Revelation 21.8. If you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you just tell a little white lie, mm. then what do they say? Liars? They're not covered under the blood. Hear me. Where does it say they will go? Is there a real place? See, we believe that God ordained marriage between one man and one woman. Amen. You heard that, right? In Genesis 2, 22-24, it says, Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Isn't it amazing how beautiful? Taking something from the man made something totally beautiful. And it says, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Did you hear that? A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. It said nothing about man, man, woman, woman. It says woman and man. We believe in the sanctity of life. We're pro-life. Genesis 1.28, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. You need to be praying for the, the unborn. Be praying these places shut down, these slaughterhouses. And Exodus 20 verse 13 says, you shall not murder. So we're pro-life. That's what we believe here in the church. Amen. Why are we talking about this? Because we want you to understand that we believe so that you don't believe in vain, but to be planted so that you can grow and use the God-given gifts you have in the body of Christ. So it's important that we all believe the Word of God because this is the only thing that's going to stand. It's the Word of God. Thank you again for listening to Church Alive's Teaching of the Week. We invite you to visit us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or find us on the radio at 11 a.m. on Renew 96.9.